Hello everyone and welcome to the Phidias Club. This is episode number 8 for December 31st, 2008. The Epic Show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phineas Club. This is uh, episode number... Oh, uh, I don't even know what episode number that is. It should be episode number 9. Um, but I think it's going to be episode 8 because uh, the November episode didn't happen. We actually record. Uh, we actually did record a show with Turkey, um, whom you all know, and uh, a friend of mine from Israel uh, called Eyal and... The gods of the internet didn't want this to happen, so they trashed my recording. So I apologize to all the listeners who were expecting a show in November, um, but we had to trash it, and it's too bad because it was really interesting. But you know what? We have a really, really interesting show uh, for you in December 2, for the end of 2008, um, because we have... Turkey again. You know, I can't get away from my friend from Saudi Arabia. So he's joining us today. How are you, Turkey? I'm well. How is Mr. Zombie? <laughs> yes, the, my followers on Twitter might know that I have a, a horrible uh, illness that's not leaving me either, like Turkey, uh, and I'm turning into a zombie. So if you hear coughing, uh, I apologize in advance. Uh, it's just my flu that's, uh, that's staying with me. Um, but we another interesting thing, like my, my sickness, is um, Gita, who's with us back from episode... Was it episode one or episode two you, you were with us? It was episode one, the first it was episode. The first episode ever. Wow. Such a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> so the, the long-time listeners might remember that you live... In uh, in England, uh, in London, um, more specifically, but you're not in London right now, are you? No, I'm in India. Um, you're visiting some family in India, and uh, yeah, so we thought it would be well. Actually, you were kind enough to offer to make all the arrangements to 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 come on the show today, live from India, and I'm very grateful. E everything going Thank well. You. Everything going well in India? You were telling me about some killer mosquitoes there. Yes, I've just been attacked by a flood of mosquitoes. Because uh, what you don't realize in the West is that the underneath of a computer table, when you put your legs underneath, <laughs> is a sort of place where air doesn't circulate very much and it's dark. So they congregate there. <laughs> and I got bitten about 15 times within one minute of trying to speak to you. Oh and by the time God. we set up the microphone, I was addled with bites. So now I've put this electric mosquito repeller plus <laughs> loads of mosquito cream all over me. And I'm hoping that, well, I'm feeling already a little more relaxed than I was when we were doing the sound check. <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's hope that it works, and uh, we're not gonna we're gonna try to move along in the show so that you don't have to 
keep your legs in this mosquito-infested desk thing for too long. Um, and uh, before we do, I'm just going to say that we might not follow the usual format for the show. It might be a, a little bit more freestyle uh, this time around, because uh, I want to start with uh, Gita's stories, because she told me um, that she had a lot of interesting stuff to say. The, so before we go into the, the general um, the general international stories, we'll start with uh, India and Gita uh, specifically. So let's just get into it and uh, launch the first segment of the show right now. Okay, well, um, everybody knows, uh, I would assume, in the world that uh, there was a terror attack um, last month. And uh, if you had had the, if I had been on last month's Phileas Club, I would have mentioned that right away, talking about Mumbai and these uh, armed gunmen that were running around uh, the big hotels in Mumbai trying Absolutely. to take foreign tourists, in particular British and American um, passport holders, and killed them, but ended up killing more Indians, of course, yes. than Americans or Brits. Um, Anyway, uh, in the wake of that, uh, the well, first of all, very importantly, um, the anti-terror leader, the, the head of the squad for anti-terror in Mumbai was murdered, and that caused a lot of uh, sort of problems. Um, but also, uh, there was a problem that most of the, ter well, all the terrorists except one w was killed, and the one... Um, when the Indians said, well, all the terrorists came from Pakistan <coughs> and landed in Mumbai, Pakistan claimed that he wasn't a Pakistani citizen hmm. and uh, more or less disowned him. <laughs> so um, this was, uh, you know, India and the world community, I think, you know, the U.S. had come in and said this is, you know, quite a weak uh, defense. Um, and then the father fellow has come out and said, actually, that is my son. <laughs> but he waited a few weeks before admitting this. So um, it's kind of a strange thing. But anyway, um, with the terror attack, and then this follows on from also uh, the bombing of the Indian embassy in Kabul, mm -hmm. uh, which you might remember from a few months ago. Um, you know, Indians are convinced and have been convinced for a long time that Pakistan is behind this. Not just Pakistanis, but actually that the, the, the army itself. is somewhat... Well, this, this is a funny thing, because you know, um, it was uh, military leadership before, and then with the assassination of Benazir Bhutto, um, you had her son take over the civil leadership, yes. and it looked like, oh, a, you know, peaceful election and things, but really, according to most of the Indian newspapers and opinion here. It's the army that are really controlling everything here. Mm. Um, and so the civil leadership is kind of a puppet government. So, and it was so, the army that did kill, well, some, some of the people in the army that did actually kill the Nazir Bhutto. So. Has that been proven? Well, it's not been proven, but it's generally known, shall we say. So this is, anyway, this is 
intelligence in India. Now, like most intelligences in most country, um, nothing is particularly proven, but there are certain, you know, ideas that this is the way it is. So this is the Indian angle, which I suppose I'm supposed to be representing on the show. Yeah, more or less. You're, you're, yeah. Okay. Now, may I ask you, have we been... Um, have we been joined by somebody? Yes, uh, I, I, I was going to, to, to keep it quiet and to try and, uh, <laughs> and uh, introduce him at a more appropriate time. But if you, since you're asking, uh, Randy Jordan is here. Uh, how are you, Randy? I'm very good. How are you this morning? Wow, wonderful voice as usual. Um, Randy is uh, actually an American citizen whom some of the listeners might know from episode, I think it was episode two. Um, and who is also so. a dear friend of mine uh, from other shows. Um, and uh, he's uh, staying in Van Vancouver at the moment, and so he's going to be representing North America in this show. I th said it was going to be a more freeform, uh, weird show uh, because I was hoping some people might join, and Randy arrived like a minute after you started, Gita. So I didn't want to inter interrupt you and be rude. I'm sorry if I startled you with that uh, person, weird person joining us. Still, thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to be here. So uh, let's just keep rolling uh, with what you were saying, uh, Gita. Um, so how did uh, the, the people and the government react? Because it, it didn't stop, of course. I mean, in France, I think the, the reporting of it more or less died down uh, after the, the whole terrorist attack uh, was handled. But I'm guessing that it didn't die down uh, in India. Is it still an issue um, today? So, oh, it's a huge issue. In fact, I mean, it's looking like uh, there's sort of jimmying up at the border. For example, I mean, and it's hard to know what's happening. Now, by the way, my auntie, who's beside me, <laughs> I'm just going to add her as a sort of adjunct to my uh, report on the show. Please because do. she's... She's going to be 80 years old in February, and uh, she's very, very into the news here. And she just said to me that on the television, it's been reported. Remember, I was saying uh, you asked whether there was any evidence of Pakistani army involvement. Yes. She said that the U.S. and Britain have some tapes. Their intelligence officers have released some tapes about this particular terrorist episode. Well, and it is from Pakistan, well, so... Okay, that's you know that's that's sort of surprising. As I said, the reporting died down a little bit. I'm not going to say it. it it's completely. Uh, it's become completely uh, irrelevant now in France. But I'm curious to know if you guys uh, have, uh, keep hearing about that uh, the the whole story, which is, uh, as people know, you know, India and Pakistan are uh, nuclear states, so it could become a, a very serious story if it if things heat up too much. And uh, it seems to me that the, the story is not getting the, the amount of reporting it should, um, at least in France. Is it the same in, in the U.S. and in Saudi Arabia? Well, I don't see. It's just not, uh, there's nothing new going on in India and Pakistan. They've been fighting for years and years. It's, it's normal news at the moment. We're just used to it. Well, you know, actual proof of the involvement of the Pakistani army in in those terrorist attacks would there's, be there's there's for... there's no actual proof until now. Okay, so, so what you're saying it's, it's it's to you it feels like business as usual. I, I, yeah. 
Yes, business as usual, and 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 the problem is, uh, few. Uh, it's not that Pakistan or India, neither government would interfere in the other country, but each government, like any other country in the world, they have people within those governments who have benefit from uh, having all of these problems coming up, and they support such terrorist acts. So you should separate the government as a government as a whole and between individuals within a government that are working outside the government. Well, from the little we've heard, it feels to me like it's not business as usual and it's a, a, a next step in escalating the situation. But maybe I'm reading this wrong. Soldiers have been at the borders and firing has been happened throughout the last 40 years. Nothing new. So my question is to Gita and maybe to your aunt, uh, and before I give the, the, the mic to, to Randy, um, is it, does it feel different? Is it something more this time, or is it just, you know... It, uh, it does feel different, partly because, um, first of all, the U.S. have been supplying the Pakistan army, especially, with weaponry because they wanted the troops to stay on the Afghanistan border of course. and uh, have a good strength and defensive, well, oh, sorry about that, I did warn you, um, but have a good defensive or p potentially offensive force at that border. Now, what said in the Indian papers is that Pakistan has been moving its troops from that border over to the Indian border, And India is very angry with the U.S. for supplying weapons to Pakistan for this, you know, you know yeah. in other words, yeah. helping to um, man and arm the Pakistan army against India. Now, look, this isn't like my opinion. This is just I'm just giving you an idea of what's being said in India. Now, for example, in the Hindu, which is the big national paper, um, on Saturday the 27th, Uh, the big headlines were Pakistan armed forces on high alert. Okay, wow. and then, um, you know, they were talking about how... Now, this is something uh, funny as well, because if you think of which actors are supposed to be um, key players in this particular, you know, India-Pakistan region, I mean, I kind of knew this, but I don't know if most people, like in the UK, know. It's US, China, and Saudi. So... Really? Actually, Turkey would know a lot about this because uh, those are Pakistan's closest allies. And actually, the uh, um, minister from China showed up in India last night, I mean, in Pakistan last night, to try and uh, uh, kind of mediate between the two parties. What's Saudi Arabia's involvement in this? I mean, in why would they be so uh, tied to, to, to the situation? Turkey. Are you asking me or Turkey? Well, well yeah. actually both, but uh, Turkey, go ahead. Uh, Saudi Arabia has a very old relationship with Pakistan. It's uh, Pakistan is an Islamic country. Saudi Arabia is an Islamic country, okay. and uh, it's a known fact that uh, they had a strong relationship, especially during the uh, Soviet-Afghan war. So there was a very close relationship. Saudi Arabia, uh, like the U.S., supplied Pakistan and the Mujahideens with weapons and money to fight the mm. Soviets at the time. Also, Saudi Arabia uses Pakistan as a, a location for its most of its uh, much of its research, like especially the nuclear research and nuclear weapons is basically financed completely by Saudi Arabia, whether that they declare it that in public or not. But mm. that's the known fact. Wow. 
Uh, hey, let me jump to, to, to Randy for a second, who, by the way, woke up a little bit early uh, today. We span uh, 12 hours in time zones today on the show, so I'm, I'm very proud of that. Uh, <laughs> Randy, we were talking about uh, the U.S.'s involvement in, in that uh, issue that would suggest that uh, the the Pakistani Indian uh, story has been all over the news. Um, can you and, confirm? And I, I would uh, deny that that story has been all over the news. I would, I would say that after what uh, what the Americans think of as the Thanksgiving attacks in Mumbai, there have been maybe two headlines. Uh, and and both around Christmas recently, you know the the one where a few days ago uh, Pakistan uh, moved some troops to the Indian border, and then a very recent uh, news piece uh, about uh, you know the American interest in a NATO supply route into Afghanistan being temporarily shut down. Uh, very sparse reporting uh, about the that that conflict and. and the United States that I've seen. Gita, is, is are we like missing something that's really, really big here? It could be uh, a horrible, uh, well, mess if it degenerates. Is it take? Could it take that uh, direction? Well, the reports on television are very inflammatory, um, and uh, you know it's kind of surprising the way with the sort of fervor with which uh, the reporting has been on some of the news channels, definitely. Um, and also, um, it's something everyone's talking about as a sort of, oh, my God, I hope this doesn't happen. But, so it feels like a huge threat here. And, uh, you know, some people feel that India isn't taking enough of an action that they really should strike hard at Pakistan. And I've mm. been asked by lots of people around here because they know what I do for a living. Um, asked Which is, can, why you, can you remind uh, people why you Sorry, have a special I, I uh, teach political science and history at the London School of Economics. So um, people have been asking me, why would India not strike Pakistan? Don't they look really weak now? Doesn't the world laugh at India? explain actually um, India taking a softly softly stance with this and looking very reasonable will give it good standing if the Pakistanis are indeed misbehaving um, which Condoleezza Rice seems to think um, mm. and they're getting a lot of pressure from all the international governments except for the Chinese it appears um, so th this is the reporting we're getting and I mean in fact it's a funny thing the softly softly approach of India Pakistan, um, with this uh, appearance of the uh, Chinese foreign minister over to Pakistan to discuss this issue and try and, you know, uh, mediate between the two countries, Pakistan put out a claim just last night saying that India had moved its troops closer to the border and it activated its forward air bases. So it's moving forward air bases and, uh, and that they must back to peacetime levels. India, in the meantime, are claiming that these forces are just doing their winter sort of movements as they always do it, and this has nothing to do with trying to fortify their strength against the Pakistani border. Um, and then India has said as well, trying to look very conciliatory, that it's not rethinking 
Um, it's altering Pakistan's most favorable nation status in terms of bilateral trade. So this is a kind of a funny situation where in trade terms they look like they're best friends, but in military terms they really are rolling up their sleeves and starting to flex muscles and looking rather, you know, breathing heavily against each other's borders. So um, it's looking like it could be a big threat and other countries are flying in to get involved. In fact, um, the Saudi foreign minister came uh, last to talk to people in Pakistan and put pressure on them to try and help India to, you know, do the investigation into these terror attacks. Okay. Hello? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still here. Uh, I'm actually trying to invite uh, Eyal, who just showed up on Skype, who's the my friend from uh, Israel. Uh, so we'll have uh, a, a person from Israel when we're going to talk about... Uh, the Gaza uh, issues, incidents uh, that have been happening in the past week. Um, so that was what the sound just was. But Gita, let me ask you this. Um, if it does yeah. actually degenerate between uh, India and Pakistan, is there like, should we, are we facing some kind of nuclear disaster or are they, are they going to go into maybe a conventional war and that's it and then everyone is going to Uh, dive into the situation and settle things uh, outside of, you know, heavier Okay, the, the, Yeah, the answer to the question is, who knows? Um, but the, the thing about this particular time period is, um, I don't know if you remember uh, that, uh, you know, the Bush administration had given a lot of fortifications and put a lot of trust into the Pakistani government and it more or less said that the Pakistan, they'll, they'll put all their support behind Pakistan and most Indians feel that they've been sidelined, that Pakistan's been given preferential treatment compared to India and uh, I think mm. this, is, this is the sort of thing that everyone's hoping will... Um, reverse a little bit with Obama, but because Obama has also underlined that he really wants to go for Osama bin Laden, he's going to need Pakistan to help him. So the Pakistanis, in most Indian views, um, and slightly um, kind of underscored in the papers, is that um, is yeah. that Pakistan is feeling as if it's rather powerful, and it has the support of at least America, because they have to support Pakistan. Yeah. And okay. the Indians want, especially weapons from America, to be cut. Like, America to more or less agree to supply any more weaponry to Pakistan. So it's, and, and you know, in the news yesterday, um, last night I was watching the news here, and basically they said Barack Obama has a real um, challenge on his hands when he comes into office in a few days, because... He's got this Israel-Palestine situation that's really erupted now. Potentially, yeah. India and Pakistan are looking as if they're going in that direction. And he's got the global financial crisis on top. You know what? Before, we, we could pr probably talk about this, uh, this story for the whole show, but we have to move on. Before we do, though, uh, I want to welcome uh, Eyal into the conversation. Um, Hi, everybody. Hey, Eyal, how are you? Hello. Good. Hi. 
<laughs> so this is the most people we've ever had on the show. Um, I hope that it doesn't break Skype. Uh, Eyal, your, your mic is a little bit noisy if you can uh, make sure you don't touch the, the mic too much. Um, so okay. we were, we were uh, all surprised that we're not hearing a lot about the uh, Indian and uh, Pakistan story in our respective countries. We have uh, Randy from the U.S. here. Gita is in India at the moment. And Turkey, whom you know, is, uh, of course, in Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I, you have bigger fish to fry uh, in Israel at the moment. But I would be curious to know if you're hearing about this apparently potentially huge Uh, uh, conflict uh, boiling up at the border between uh, India and, and Pakistan, even in the midst of, of your Gaza problems? Well, uh, we, do, we did hear about it just before our Gaza problems erupted. Uh, and uh, the situation between India and Pakistan is closely monitored by the Israeli press. Uh, there is a story about it about once a, once a day, you would say. Hmm. There is some reference to what's going on there, um, which is one of the things I don't understand is why are they still fighting over there? <laughs> well, we could probably <laughs> ask you the same question. Uh, <laughs> you know. It's all over land, the same thing. They have Kashmir, you have Gaza and the West Bank and Jerusalem. Exactly. So everybody's uh, fighting you over land. Ah, uh, but you mentioned Kashmir. Now the big news over here: Kashmir has just had yeah. a democratic election. You see, that was very successful with a very high voter turnout, and uh, oh. it's a coalition government, and it's it seems to be like a big change over there. And in India, they see it as a sort of counterfoil to the tensions that are happening with this whole terrorist thing. That the you know muslims and the hindus are getting along at least for this particular moment in time in terms of trying to form democratic populist government so is that going to change anything my guess is no but uh, how is that really important to the situation are they going to start stop fighting about about kashmir all of a sudden Well, no, actually, this way. I mean, actually, Gia, yeah, speaking on, about uh, Kashmir on the Indian side, Kashmir is divided into into two parts. Parts is uh, run by India, and parts run by Pakistan. Okay. Yes, so, that's right. It's Jammu oh. and Kashmir. Oh, okay. Oh, and so, there's the yeah, the Indian and the Pakistani side of Kashmir as well. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's yeah, let's Jammu move on. Let's move on to, to, to another story. If you do have another one, Gita, um, mm -hmm. uh, from India, before we go to uh, Israel and, uh, and Gaza. Well, I, it really, literally, I mean, the fact that there are democratic elections that seem in place and nice, peaceful transitions to democracy, both in Jammu and Kashmir, as well as in Bangladesh, yesterday these are like big you know potentially good things because actually when you have properly constituted democratic governments with high voter turnouts that happen in states um, conflicts stop because people feel as if they've been given a mandate and been allowed to participate politically and therefore economic and other rights might be respected so So you're talking as a professor now who knows her, her stuff, if I might speak in very technical terms. 
Um, <laughs> but but uh, this brings me back to my previous question. The fact that you had uh, democratic elections in, in Kashmir, is that going to change anything to the conflict in general in the region? Well, yeah, I believe so. Wow. I believe um, that people feel that they've got political voice. They feel that because they've elected a government and can remove them through democratic channels, that they... Um, you know, are able to hold them accountable and therefore responsive to the needs of different groups. And the fact that it's a coalition government makes that even more powerful. Didn't they have democratic elections in, in Iraq a while back? Are you asking? <laughs> yeah, well, that's, uh, that's different. But this is a run. Also in Afghanistan, they had that. There you yeah. Go. So how is it different? Okay, well... <laughs> Um, because it's not uh, pretend democracy overseen by some other country. It's not an imperialistic mm. democracy. Mm. Let's put it that way. Okay, fair enough. Um, let's start uh, talking about the, the biggest, uh, at least to us, uh, to me in France, the biggest issue uh, of the moment, of the hour, which is the end of the truce between uh, the Palestinians and Hamas in, uh, specifically, and Israel in the uh, Gaza Strip um, last week. So what happened was, maybe you guys can correct me if I get it wrong, but uh, I think uh, after the truce ended, um, there were a few rockets that were shot from the Gaza Strip to uh, into Israeli uh, towns and homes. Um, and so Israel retaliated with... Uh, raids, uh, aerial raids, and bombings that killed. Well, hundreds. actually, actually, Patrick, I knew you were, were going to say something, Turkey. The, the, Go the, ahead. The, 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 there were attempts to attack, which none of them hit Israel until recently, after the Israeli attack, which they only killed Palestinians with them, where they fell inside Palestine, and plus there were a few. If you consider seventy rockets, a few, then yeah, it's a few. Yeah, well, you know, it's. I was talking, saying a few when you could compare them to uh, military raids from Israel. You know, it's it's uh, still an attack, but still uh, limited. You can't really compare. I mean, yeah, you can't compare the power. No? Sure. So yeah. let's let's hear from the person who's actually on the ground in Israel at the moment. Um, how, how is it? Uh, I, I, we can all imagine how it's being reported on and how it's perceived. Um, but maybe you can give us a feel from from uh, the country itself, Eyal. Um, what's the story from there? Well, the shit has hit the fan, and uh, excuse me for my French. Uh, <laughs> I got an eighty-year-old auntie here, <laughs> and uh, it's like uh, there is a, a big mess down there you know in the south in tel aviv it's uh, quiet but tense mm. uh, people are basically glued to their tvs and monitoring the situation uh and uh, the right the circle of uh, cities that are under uh, attack in israel uh, increased uh, basically in the past three days uh, <laughs> So do you People mean that not, you're... Uh, it's, not, it's not fun. Uh, there are not a lot of uh, casualties in... Uh, there are not a lot of 
casualties on the Israeli side um, because the rockets are not accurate and people take care of uh, they they really have uh, some sort of a drill that is keep repeating in uh, yeah. in the media all the time about what to do if there is a siren and everything. So people are really trained and prepared to run into shelter in uh, periods of time. They tell you, like, if you're in uh, Ashkelon, you have uh, 15 seconds to run into a shelter and to is take cover. If is you're that in, something uh, that's really part of your daily lives? Because p some people might not know, but Israel is sort of in a constant state of war. So is that really the drills and the stuff like that? That's something that's part of your daily lives? It depends on. It really depends on which part of the country you live in. If you lived in the north, uh, then before the you were in the close proximity of the bo of the northern border until 90, until 2000, you were constantly under a drill of rocket attacks. So you were, they they had like they lived like that for about 30 years or more. Uh, if you live now in the south, you've, this situation has been going on for eight years now. Mm. Um, the the distance of the rockets uh, hitting towns further from Gaza just increased, but the people who suffered the most, the people of Zderot, they live under a constant threat for the past eight years uh, with a 15-second uh, warning time before a rocket mm. hits. W what uh, about Tel Aviv? Do, are, you, are you afraid that there are going to be terrorist attacks in Tel Aviv, or just you, because you were saying the situation is tense, uh, is it tense to that level? I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't unrule it that there is a possibility of a terrorist attack in Tel Aviv or in Jerusalem. Uh, it it became very difficult to perform one since the fence was up, since the separation wall fence, um, yeah. whatever term you want to call it, uh, went up. Uh, so the amount of, terror, of uh, suicide bombings went down since then, and uh, the ability of Israel to control the area is uh, the security forces to control the flow of, of uh, people and uh, weapons is is bigger and better. So hmm. it's relatively secure, but there's always a hole in whatever you do. So if you someone really wants to do a bomb in Tel Aviv or Anywhere else in the country, you can do it. There's um, nothing like totally. You can't do anything. Go ahead, Gita. But isn't it true that isn't it true that um, only two Israelis have been killed so far, but over 300 Palestinians? Yeah, it's true. So wouldn't it be even worse over I there? Think. Yeah. So wouldn't it be worse there? Like they don't even have the 15 seconds. Like that. That sounds like a long time to look for shelter to them, probably. Well, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it's true, but I mean, what, what, what does, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, I'm not saying that, and I, I also here, here's a question for you because uh, I don't know because if like, people he, like, the, like because the way I see these things is like it's it's basically two thugs in a street fight. It's what? Two, two thugs. thugs in a street fight. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard over here in the news, they're reporting a lot, that Obama's comment that, um, you know, regarding Israel was that if uh, I was in the house with my two daughters and somebody was launching a rocket at me, anything I could in my power to protect my daughters and keep them safe, that that's been a line that's been repeated a lot.
in Israel, what? which kind of has been making Israel look very, very aggressive, whereas I think you're probably right. It is two thugs in a street fight. And um, the only thing that I wonder about, uh, we heard about that, uh, uh, you know, the uh, relief boat that was going towards uh, Gaza to provide defate. Have you heard about that? That was mm -hmm. rammed by the Israeli Navy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what's, uh, you know, that makes Israel look aggressive, but I don't know if that's one-sided reporting. This is why I'm asking. No, it's true. I mean, these things happen in a war. I'm sorry to say that. And I'm sorry if I hear, if I sound a bit harsh. But, I mean, like, listen, Israel has the power. And it has the power to do a lot of shit that it doesn't really want to do. Okay? But like Obama said, and I'm sure you would do the same thing. And every person that is on this conversation would do the same thing. If someone would throw a rocket on your house, you'd do anything to protect yourself and your children and your family. And this is what's going on here. So I'm sorry. I really feel bad about all these people dying. But I'm not no, the no, one not. who's supposed to feel really bad about them. Their own people should think about that and say, okay, let's stop now. Well, this, this does bring uh, to a sort of question that I had when the truce ended. Uh, Turkey were saying they tried to send rockets at first and they didn't manage to hit uh, uh, Israel. But my, the question that I, I uh, got um, straight when I, when I heard about this was, what did they think was going to happen? You know, the fact that they got uh, to Israel or not... It's almost irrelevant. What did Hamas uh, they think? They did. Like, they went back. They did hit Israel, and some okay. of them they missed because they're really clowns, some of them. But they're very serious people also. Of course, of course. Um, Randy, we were talking about Obama. Uh, do you have anything to say about this? Because when I hear hey. Obama, I, I think about you. Of <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I don't know why. We, uh, he, he, he and I are just barely related. Um, a, a friend are of you? mine... <laughs> Not at all. A, a friend of mine declared yesterday that he, he thinks Hamas has discovered uh, perpetual motion. And it, it, they, they do it in five easy steps. He said, you know, step one, push an anti-Israeli ideology. Step two, gain support from those who share that ideology. Step three, attack Israel. Step four, provoke a disproportionate response from Israel, resulting in... Hamas hopes they can claim civilian casualties. And then step five is use the rage generated from that to return to step one. And it's, it's gone in that cycle so much that the, the news reporting, in, at least in North America, has started to miss the Hamas involvement altogether. And that's, that's what frightens me, is, is when you turn on the news in, in North America and all you get is... Uh, is Israeli attacks. It's like those two, those two words somehow summarize that entire cycle. Mm. And that, that, is, you know, that is my concern. Uh, Obama's quote is going to be used by everybody. So it, it, it kind of loses any, any, any power. If everyone feels like they're under attack, everyone feels like they're justified in response. Um, the thing to remember, in my opinion, the thing to remember uh, when you're looking at the situation from far away as we are, is that there is a difference between countries with governments and leaders, even if they're dictators, taking actions, 
and actions being taken by and against an ethnic group, which basically, you know, the the, the Palestinians are. If well, if you know, Hamas only is a, is a political entity. It's not like yeah, that's yeah. that's fine. They, 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 they've that, been elected fine, democratically. Yeah. Yeah, here's a question though. We're talking about they democratically. What I wonder is there are Israeli elections coming up soon. Do you think um, anything about the way that things are being carried out at the moment have anything to do with that? No, because I don't know. Because in one hand, it's like it gives more popularity to the leaders that are there now. But once they fuck up, and as Hamas is waiting for them to fuck up, and we all know that these things fuck up eventually. Um, if we're talking about the Second Lebanon War and the Falkana incident, and these things fuck up, and there's so no way to avoid it. So you mean so now it's going to declare, decline their popularity after yeah. that. And the people, uh, so it really has nothing to do with that. The, the, the reason they went into this campaign is because they got really, Israel got really fed up with this situation. And there's not much to do besides talking and solving the, the issue. But, you know, like there was a quiet uh, period for six months. They don't want to recognize Israel. They want to anni annihilate Israel. They say that these people yeah. and on the other hand they say okay but let us have a peace uh, have a quiet time so israel gave them that quiet time for six months and then those six months were ended and they said okay we don't want to continue we want to fight you so okay let's fight by the way and when they um, fight they pay it, for, for it yeah by the way uh, israel declared that they wanted they're not just doing this to you know piss off uh, palestinians or you know have Palestinians casualties, they want to end uh, Hamas this time. They said, that's no, they, it. They, 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 did, they did not declare that. They did oh, they not did. declare I, that. I'm pretty certain no. they did. I think you don't know it's what your not country one, is saying. It's not, I know it's better. not one Sorry. of the official uh, uh, targets of this operation in Israel. The official But, targets of this operation in Israel is to change the... Uh, to make sure that the terms of... Uh, The new Tahadiyah, uh, as they call it, uh, will uh, will be for sure and for a long period of time because during this. Oh, come on, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, let's let's not put some Israeli propaganda. The whole thing is <laughs> okay, about elections. Go. Just a second, Turkey. No, just, come on. just a second. It's, it's all, all about elections in oh, February. Man. It's Guys, all about elections in Israel. Just a second. So Hamas just, is playing as Hamas. So Hamas is taking part in the political game of Israel. Why? I want to I want to give the, the 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 mic to Turkey because well he's been very quiet for for oh, yeah. a few minutes now <laughs> and uh, and uh, he's our only link to the to the Arab world here. Uh, I just want to say before I do though, um, in France we've had uh, pretty. I think it's fair to say that it's not one-sided but but very pro-Palestinians reports um, and there were a few demonstrations as you know the, France has many ties with the Arab world, especially with the high population of uh, Northern African, uh, you know, people uh, living in the country. So it's rather pro-Palestinian. And uh, there's one phrase that I remember from a protest a few days ago. Uh, it was a guy who's a, a representative 
in an anti-racism uh, group in France here who was saying, you know, I don't want to assert blame here, but the attacks of uh, from Israeli uh, from the Israeli army are disproportionate and it's horrible and they're killing people and it's their fault, which which is more or less the way people approach it here. I think um, in 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 uh, the majority. And in, in, to a certain extent in the media, too. Um, and that being said, I, I, I want to, again, give uh, the mic to Turkey to, for him to give us uh, his version of the fact, or at least his version of the story, um, and preface this by saying that, uh, as we were saying in the unreleased episode from uh, last month, um, you could be in trouble for talking with an Israeli national uh, like this. So thank you for doing it and, uh, you know, be having the courage to do it. That's no problem. Uh, let me start with my opinion. Go this whole mess. It's not the fault of one person. It's not the fault of Israel. It's not the fault of Hamas. It's not the fault of the U.S. It's the fault of all three. Israel is react overreacting. Way, 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 way overreacting. They're destroying unbelievable... Uh, instru- uh, stuff in, in, uh, in uh, Gaza. They're killing... Hundreds of people, children and women included, their reaction is overblown. Hamas, what did Hamas expect when they launched missiles at Israel? What did they expect? Did they expect Israel to sit there and just watch? The U.S. should have, when Hamas won in a completely 100% fair elections in Gaza, the U.S. should have opened a dialogue. And worked with Hamas instead of boycotting the Hamas, making an embargo against them, and putting them in the situation where the only way they can s- survive is by being thugs. You're so right. It's, Absolutely it's, it's, right. All three people are wrong, and it's a disaster there. Now, the situation in the Arab world, how it's working, Hamas is playing a game, and, it's, it's, and that game is it's working for them. They're getting support from all around the world. They're getting support from Arab countries. The Arab people are getting outraged and they're getting up and they're fighting and they're demanding their countries. And governments around our world are having very difficult time controlling their people and making sure things don't go out of uh, control within their own countries. Mm. So that's your opinion, uh, Turkey. What's uh, the media spin uh, in Saudi Arabia? I'm guessing it's uh, not very favorable favorable to to Israel. Well, the media spin is kind of the, the, there's a balanced media spin. There's uh, and even the balanced one are more favorable to the Palestinians and Gaza, and it's it's kind of understandable, of course, because as I said, Israel is overreacting. Is do it the way it reacted is way. Over proportion, and the and the, and then we have the problem is, people, the Arab people are don't think with their heads; they think with their hearts. And an example to this, uh, I was just reading an Arabia uh, website. Arabia is one of the biggest news networks here in our world, and they have uh, comments on their news articles. They allow people to comment, and if you read the comments, for example, Arabia would write three hundred people killed. And attacks, and you would see this outrage from all of these Arabs because they're calling these people dead, killed, 300 killed. You're supposed to call them martyrs. They're not wow. killed. So, so 
Okay, you so can you're, you're, that reaction. So what you're saying is that uh, given the sentiment in the population, the media is being uh, fair, uh, is, is being rather fair uh, in reporting uh, the situation. As I said, some of the media is kind of basically trying to be fair, and it's a very, very difficult thing for Arab media to be fair because, first of all, there are people within those media that have uh, emotions and they have relationships with Palestine that they find it difficult to be fair on this. Sure. And second of all, it's very difficult to be fair when considering the type of reaction they'll get from their viewers, which is complete hate against these media and accusing them of being uh, anti-Arab, anti-Islamic, supporting of America, supporting Israel, uh, getting a backlash if they're not trying, if they're trying to be fair. So let me ask you too, uh, Turkey and Eyal, um, what do you see, uh, how do you see the situation evolving? Is there a way out or how is it, how do you think it's going to, to end? Uh, um, it's going to end soon. I, I don't think it's going to last. Uh, I, I'm giving it more, not more than three days. Hamas is already starting to co talk about ceasefire and peace, and Hamas is really hurting at the moment. And Israel got its point out, and the elections are coming soon, and they need to let everybody go and vote instead of fighting. So, Okay, Eyal? Well, it's easier to keep them in the army and make them vote in the army. That's for sure. If you have them all concentrated, you get higher voting uh, yeah. percentage. But, um, well, it will end like in either in a couple of days because of international pressure. And if the leaders are smart and they want to go without another Kfalkana on their hands, um, or they're going to do a opera uh, ground operation uh, within the, like the next three days or so. Uh, I and doubt move I inside. Doubt, I, doubt no, I don't doubt that at all. If they really well, want, well, I, I if they really, after, if they really want to get out Hamas and topple it yeah, completely, no, I doubt they it. After, after the disaster of Lebanon and uh, the elections so close, I don't think anybody's going to take the chance. They'll wait. Maybe after the elections, they'll do a, mm. a ground well, attack. But before the elections, I doubt anybody's going to take the chances. Well, I okay. hope not, um, and I hope it will go out safe. Uh, but I mean this. This situation will end, I hope not in the, the time that it took uh, Europe to understand that after seven, thousands of years of wars between each other in Europe, they figured out that having peace with each other and uniting is better for everyone. And uh, <laughs> they're not killing each other anymore there. So yeah. here it's been going on for 100 years. So either we have another 900 years of war or somebody will get smart and faster. You know? I'm, yeah, I'm afraid it's maybe it's going to take a, more than a few years to to resolve, as you were saying. Um, at least a, a few tens, uh, a few dozens of years. I don't see that situation really ending uh, anytime soon. I mean, the the one thing in Gaza happening now might doubt die down. But uh, uh, Gita, I'm interested to know uh, what your your auntie, your 80 year old auntie. Uh, from India thinks of all this. Could you ask her? Okay. <laughs> Hello. This Hi. is Mr. Sundaram. Vishal actually speaking. Hi. Hi. Very nice uh, to I talk feel to you that again. I think a lot of people are going into war without thinking about the uh, results of war. Uh, I feel that 
in one sense, and I'm a feminist in this, if more women were in government and uh, in decision-making uh, bodies, there, there wouldn't be so many wars. <laughs> but uh, I feel uh, like to uh, keep that power. And so when elections come along, a lot of problems like this come up. Huh? And, uh, well, uh, nobody wants to interfere in all this. All the countries are being very diplomatic, and this diplomacy doesn't work. Diplomacy of getting people involved is what matters, not keeping away from what's happening. Hmm. And that's how I feel about it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, that, yeah, that's an yeah, interesting... Can, can we have a long discussion about whether women are for peace or not? <laughs> this is a wonderful subject. Well, <laughs> that would be a conversation. Well, if you think about it, there are more women in government in the East than there have ever been in the West. And, yeah. and there's but less like, war I in can, the East? I can start you, naming women and government that we can see all the wars women started. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I, I would actually tend to agree, but I'm a feminist, so, you know, I'm biased. Um, Randy, I, I didn't give Margaret you... Thatcher, let's not go too far! <laughs> hey, I, there, are, there are questions about whether or not uh, Margaret, Margaret Thatcher is a woman. Um... <laughs> oh, by the way, my auntie added an extra comment in there. She said, men go to war because of women, so we're going back to Troy, I think. <laughs> Good point. Um, Randy, you didn't say mu a, a lot uh, during this, uh, this conversation. Anything you want to add before we move on? First of all, I'd like to defend my friends, the Brits. I slept with Margaret Thatcher. She is all woman. You have friends um, in high places. I, I've I've been accused of that before, you know. I don't I don't know that there's I don't know there's much more to say. It's it's ultimately a question of who is winning the propaganda war and the perspective from uh, you know especially from the left in North America is that the Palestinians are winning that topic and that's uh, that's Me frightening. Meaning that, meaning that uh, the, the Pal they are rather pro-Palestinians, uh, the, the, the left in, the, in North America? Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes, yeah, absolutely they are and that's a, that's a switch over the last decade which is, is really amazing. It's been, it's been phenomenal to see how in the last decade, we've had a solid uh, Jewish leftist Democrat voting bloc in North America who have seen all of their political allies just completely leave them in the wilderness uh, because of, like I say, what, what's really just a victory in the in a propaganda war you know mm. it, it, there's there's no there's no good explanation for it that i can see but well, it's it's very real in north america the surprising thing though is that as you as you were saying the jewish uh, lobby uh, is supposed to be very strong in the us how how do they deal with you know supporting uh, palestine and you know keeping the support of the uh, of the jewish lobby i don't know <laughs> okay. I really don't. I I really don't have a, an answer to it. I I expect there's going to be some sort of of political shift during the Obama administration, and I just don't know whether it's going. Uh, you know, whether it's going to be a shift of 
of the uh, of the Jewish voters in in the United States, or it's going to be a a play by the right uh, to get them. Uh, but well, I believe well, I believe there's a shift coming. But the Obama well, what, comment was what was, is Obama going to do, Randy? Okay. Obama is going to follow the same exact policy of Bush when it comes to Israel and Palestine. I completely agree. I mean, it, that there there hasn't been a major change in policy from the United States in in many administrations, uh, Democrat and Republican. Since Carter, so, there hasn't been any change. So I I can't I, I can't see. In fact, it, it wouldn't surprise me if if uh, if the first you know the first major act of an Obama administration is Hillary Clinton in Israel. Uh, the fir mm -hmm. first major foreign relations act. Yeah. Not, not that I think that's going to to cause any great change. Uh, like I say, I'm I'm kind of a, a proponent of this perpetual motion machine that that I brought yeah. up earlier. I, I really when don't. You, when you say proponent, you mean you think it's happening? Not that yeah, I think it's going to continue to happen as okay. well, which is which is very unfortunate. But getting off of getting off of that ride is going to take. I don't know what so some sort of you know some sort of great act of will or catastrophe that I can't foresee, but it's and I think it's very. Gita, go ahead. No, no, no. I want Randy to continue. I like. I think he speaks sense, and I do agree with this perpetual motion machine. And I think if you go through history and look at different forms of political rhetoric and action, um, most powerful movements uh, have you know used that formula over time mm. okay um, I guess we've we've covered it more or less so we're gonna move on to something else um, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about well actually there are two maybe we can uh, go over the the riots in Greece um, it's not as relevant today because they ended a, a while ago um, but I wanted to know if it was as a big as big a deal in your countries that it was in in, in mine because um, some of you might remember that we had riots uh, in France two years ago and both times uh, I mean in Greece and in France it happened because uh, 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 a young person was killed by a police officer uh, in the case of France he was he wasn't exactly killed by a police officer he was running away from a cop and entered an electrical uh, closet thing room and got electrified unfortunately and that caused uh, the the two weeks of riots that we've uh, heard about in the case of Greece, if I'm not mistaken, it was a, a two kids who were throwing rocks uh, in a group as uh, at uh, police cars, and uh, one cop got uh, got his gun out and uh, and killed two of them. I'm not sure it was he was actually aiming at them or or, or if it was an accident, but uh, either way, uh, the kids died. So it was, of course, a huge story in France, and uh, we didn't really know how it was going to end. Now it seems to have died down. Um, what it did show it was that there was a lot of um, of um, uh, resentment uh, that was deeper than just that specific event that ignited it all. Um, what I took out of it was a surprise that people wouldn't mention the fact that at the core of this was... The, the, it might seem harsh, but the kids were throwing rocks at the cops. 
And that fact sort of got completely diluted in the, in the following things, and the blame was sort of put on, on the cop, who, of course, I'm not saying that he didn't, uh, that he should have done what he did. I mean, killing the kids was, was obviously an overreaction, but I, I would have liked, this is my personal opinion, uh, I would have liked it to be said that, you know, there was something at the, the core of this that wasn't right to begin with. Um, that my that's my my horrible right wing uh, <laughs> feeling, I guess. Um, apart from that, in France, it was reported on a lot, of course, and sort of in a shy, um, oh my God, it's happening there, and we've had this happen to us too. So it's the same. We can't really tell anything about say anything about it because we've had the same shit happening here too. Um, Maybe I'm going to start with uh, Randy this time because I, I shut him up in the previous uh, conversation. Um, th was that even a big story in the U.S.? I wouldn't say it was a big story. It was reported. It was reported for a couple of weeks, you know, during, during the, uh, the major news cycles. We would hear that police detained another 45 people in Greece, and most of that... Uh, the recollection I have is, is, is that it was over looting more than uh, throwing eggs. But, you know, so we, we got a few salient facts there, uh, and it, it's not really, it didn't, it didn't ever drift into the realm of heavy commentary in, okay. in the United States. Gita, were you in, uh, in, uh, in London at the time of the... I virus? was in London then. Yeah, I was in London then, and more or less the same sort of coverage you got. Okay. Um, did, did, for either of you, did it uh, actually get into that uh, details, into these details of uh, who started what, or not at all? Um, we did hear about them throwing rocks, but it was underplayed compared to the... Um, the killing of the kids, but actually it wasn't even reported as if the cops were doing something bad. All we knew was that, mm. I mean, what was being reported in the papers was that the riots because the police shot a teenager. That's all, okay. you know. So the focus was on the riots. The shooting of the teenager was just a sort of brief mention at the end of the sentence, a sort of a clause mm. to explain that something had happened and it erupted. Okay. Um, and most of the Greek community... Um, that I know in uh, London, um, we're speaking of this as a sort of, con you know, continuation of local rioting as spread across Greece that's been going on for a while, and uh, that they were wondering what bit of their country might be left to go home to. Oh, wow, that bad. That's how they felt it, yeah. Okay. Well, I have to say that at the time of the French riot, I had a friend who said, you know, that's never going to end and they're going to have to send in the army. Of course, I thought that that was ridiculous and it didn't happen in the end. But uh, that was a feeling that we had here, too. Um, well, some people at least expressed it. Um, Turkey, that must be really far away from your daily concerns and, and problems. Uh, the, the Greek riot things. Greek riot things is one more proof that... Oh, my God. People are idiots. <laughs> 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 so, um, can you tell I me will, more specifically will, which will, people will, are you I talking will, about? I will pay any one of you $1,000 if they can, can tell me one good thing that came out of those riots. 
Um, I think your money's safe. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of looting, destroying, and a lot of businesses going out of business, people getting hurt, what good did they get out of it? They but, got steam out. They got what? They got steam out. That's yeah. why they have. That's why they have football or soccer or whatever you call it. They go and hit each other there in the stadium. But, but was it was it reported on at least? I mean, it has to be. But yeah, of course, it, it's okay. been reported. It's, uh, and it's the same thing. Some kid was shot by the police, and everybody went on riots. And of course, everybody here thought that the, the Greek were, were idiots. So, so I, I always get this feeling when when you talk about what happens in the Western world that. Maybe it's my impression, but I always get the feeling that you guys have that sort of view of, of the Western world when shit like that happens. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm cursing a lot today. It's Ayal's influence. 80-year-old auntie. Um, yes, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when things like that happen, uh, that you guys in, in Saudi Arabia get, oh, that's those crazy Europeans or whatever doing their stupid stuff again. Is that uh, accurate or uh, am I, you know, imagining things? Um, somewhat accurate, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say completely accurate, but yeah, somewhat accurate. That's depressing. Um, actually, actually, oh. actually, it's the best thing, and, and, and you keep on doing all of that stuff because you're helping the royal family and all the people who are anti-democracy. <laughs> They love it. You see what democracy brings to you? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I guess, yeah, that's a spin you can put to it. And there's one more spin we love to use. And yeah. They use it a lot here. Hey, hey Al, uh, please, at least I did not elect the, the king here. If he, he messes up, it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, a lot of people have been saying that when they didn't vote for the person that's messing up, be it in France or in the U.S., you can always say that too. Um, mm. um, hey, Al, the, the Greek, no. uh, Greece, uh, Greek riots, any thoughts? Uh, nothing cares? specific. I mean, no, really, who cares? Uh, not, not really, who cares? Because they did riot and they did have a big party for a couple of weeks, for a couple of days, weeks. But uh, you know, like, what were they? What, what did they want? Eventually, I mean, was was there a reason behind it? I, I didn't understand it. Besides the fact that you are, they were angry that two kids got shot by police, which is really sad. Yeah, that's 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 true. I didn't really, you know, say it like this uh, now. But the 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 aim, the the point of the movement and of the riots wasn't clear at all. So I don't know if it was clear in Greece, but in here. And I have to say that in uh, in in France, when we had the riots, it wasn't very clear either, which was why a lot of people couldn't really see it end. I guess it's a natural, you know, social movements that movement that. Things start and end right. naturally, but reasons uh, for riots are never clear. Yeah, you I can guess. look that throughout history, and and even the U.S. they enjoy rioting there as well, especially in L.A. So <laughs> it's an international. Well, thing. I think. Yeah. I think there are clear reasons for riots sometimes. I mean, and in fact, if you look at who's rioting in France, you could see this. It were people who felt that they weren't given a voice and, and basically any incident at all that they could somehow use to vent their anger. So what you said about letting off steam is kind of a true thing. And I mean, you know, it's what happens in Algeria when you have the, the different mountain groups that come out and 
Yeah, but but but, I, but these rioters, they end up hurting their own people. They don't go and hurt the people they're pissed off at because they're rioting within their own neighborhoods. Uh, I well, agree. I, I didn't say that there were no reasons. What I said was we didn't know what results they wanted to, you know, what they, they were asking for. Which is, oh, right. I, yeah, I don't exactly. think there's, you know, there's not one entity that's writing, but, you know, they're not saying we want this and then we're going to stop writing. But again, in a sense, you're, you're right to uh, Turkey. I'm guessing that there aren't always like clear demands when people riot. They don't sit down and go, OK, we're going to stop breaking your windows if you give us this. Um, uh, when I was when I was in Greece uh, a couple of times and talking to people, they always said that they have anarchists in Greece hmm. and these anarchists love to riot and just let them riot because it's anarchy and stuff. So yeah. maybe this is one of the things that was also perpetuating there and uh, pushing like uh, gasoline into this yeah. for all these people that just want to riot because they like it. It's probably a good yeah a good uh, summing up of the of this situation. It's uh, anarchy and stuff. I think that sums it up. Um, <laughs> guys, let's, let's move on to the last international quote-unquote story. Uh, I think you guys are, are going to like it. I want to talk about the shoe attack in, in Iraq. Um, <laughs> I hear people snickering already. Um, so people, I, I'm guessing everyone knows, of course, that President Bush uh, had a, sh a couple of shoes uh, thrown at him by a, an Iraqi uh, reporter in a press meeting. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, I guess. Um, so I, I'm not sure there's anything to say about this, uh, apart from reporting it uh, as a fact. But just, I just want to go around and, uh, and ask if there's anything spe special or specific that you guys would have to say uh, from your respective countries. In France, it was average just you know that happened it wasn't a good thing but at the same time it's sort of funny and uh that's it no no anti-american feeling uh displayed after this not specifically i don't i i, I would have thought that they would there would have been but there wasn't and um uh, that that no anti you know iraqi feeling either uh man it's just a lot then <laughs> Okay, let's start with the fun kid, uh, Turkey. Go you ahead. You missed a lot. Let's see. We got poets writing poetry, saying how good this guy was, a great hero. We have uh, all the comedians making lots of fun of Bush. Um, people offering to pay millions of dollars to buy the shoes. Wow. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot. And by the way, did you hear the press, uh, what the White House reported after that incident? Uh, there was a lot of things, but uh, I'm sure you, you, you heard one very specific comment. Go ahead. Yeah, apparently when Bush leaves, leaves office, he's going to go on a tour around the world to correct, collect enough shoes to pay all the debt of the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might actually be a viable solution. Um, okay. Eyal, um, what about you? Ah uh, well, it was funny here, and uh, I saw it as a funny event, you know. And no big deal. Life moves on. No, no, no big deal. It's funny. <laughs> okay, Gita. Um. Yeah. Very funny. Except, you know, when you started hearing the screams um in the background from the guy who was either being tortured or restrained, depending on uh, what report you look at. 
restrained at that know, moment, tortured later. <laughs> yeah, but you could hear something from the other room as Bush pretended to laugh off the incident and use quite strong, well, he made it sound like it was quite pacifistic, but yet very strongly worded um, comments about, uh, you know, this sort of thing won't be happening again in Iraq kind of a thing. So, I mean, that was the only point where I thought um, it was very strange. But I was impressed by how quickly different gamers sent round um, different games of try and chuck a shoe at Bush's head. <laughs> well, uh, just to come back to what you were saying before, I, what he said, uh, I think, was, you know, that he tried to spin it as this is what happens in a free society. Uh, so I don't think he said, you know, that's not going to be happening again, wink, wink. Well, he's not going to be yeah, there again. Yeah, I couldn't remember the exact words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not going to be there again, of course. But, um, and um, oh, crap, Randy, had, Randy, won the American response. Yeah, I, but there I had one thing uh, before before I give the mic to Randy. Uh, Gita, you were saying you're sort of implying, oh my God, he he was tortured, which leads me to the question: What do you think should happen to the guy? Because on one side, he is, you know, he just threw a shoe which is, you know, not such a horrible thing. But on the other side, it was the president of the United States. So you can't do Well, nothing. of course, what did he expect? But I do voice what quite a lot of people in the world, including Americans, <laughs> would agree with. So, um, But you wh know, what do you think should think happen to him? What do you think well, of what's I mean, going to happen? Well, what happened, we know. So no, he's going to jail for 15 I years. 15 what? Years. Sorry? Really? That's the punishment for insulting a foreign dignitary. Whoa. But that didn't happen, did it? Well, he's been released as far as... No, no, no. I mean, he's still in jail. Yeah, he's, he's, he hasn't oh, okay. been judged yet. Yeah. Has he? Oh. No. He hasn't, hasn't been judged yet, yet, but I thought he was out on bail. No, no. So. Okay, okay. Randy, gonna... Randy, go ahead. Two things. First of all... I have not had a lot of opportunity these last eight years to be truly proud of the President of the United States. And by not a lot, I really mean next to none. <laughs> seeing, seeing that 62-year-old man so deftly dodge those perfectly aimed <laughs> shots was <laughs> such a moment of, of pride. Randy, for a country Randy, that is so disgraced. Yes, Randy, I have to say this, Randy. You're ex saying the exact thing that every person I met here in Saudi Arabia said. Ah, oh, God, the first time I ever admired this guy is the way he <laughs> dodged those shoes. It, it, was, it was beautiful because they were perfectly aimed. If he hadn't moved, he would have gotten hit in the throat twice. I mean, it was, they were right on target. And having said that, I have to give some praise uh, to the, the, the thrower of the shoes. And the, my favorite story in the United States was that the New York Yankees signed Iraqi journalist Muntadar al-Zaidi to a three-year deal worth $32 million because they really, they're looking for a right-handed pitcher. And he's also, apparently he's only 28 years old, so he's still got some, some, uh, some years left to play baseball. Uh, very, very exciting story, but as uh, Gita said, the, the the good thing that came out of the whole story was all of the, the fun videos and, and games and so forth. So I nothing think that's, too serious either in the U.S.? Nothing at all. Not, not, not a thing. If, if anything, 
uh, another little revelation about how little Americans know about uh, about that part of the world and the culture, because so many Americans kind of raised their hand and said, "Why is he throwing shoes?" Like they really didn't understand the the relationship with the shoe as uh, you know as a as a symbol, and and so that was kind of I, I don't know if that was a good thing. To, well, to show that you're ignorant, learned <laughs> right? But 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 just just so much fun. I I'm really I'm really waiting for uh, I'm really waiting for the first uh, opportunity for Bush to talk about it after he's no longer in office and he can he can speak a little more candidly. And I'd love to know whether he felt proud that he he had that agility and that movement. He probably you know. did. <laughs> but but two things I want to say. Uh, first of all, um, the the fact that he dodged the two shoes that were, as you said, perfectly aimed, um, imagine what the, the 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 huge issue that it would have been if he hadn't. I mean, it would have oh. honestly been a horrible, horrible um, uh, political and uh, diplomatic mess. I mean, honestly, I, we all laugh it off now, but it could have ignited something if he hadn't uh, avoided them. You have to ask yourself, if Muntadar al-Zaidi had waited until Bush turned to shake hands with his counterpart, or sure. was just looking down at his podium... Yeah. And hadn't given him warning by yelling at him, which, quite frankly, it would have been a much less honorable way to attack. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But still, if he had, if he had waited and and done so more stealthily, that is that is a serious issue we're talking about, as opposed to something yeah. that's just funny. Has anybody noticed how slow the security reacted to this? Well, yeah, the, the, the security did nothing. The, the other journalists jumped on him, uh, but the security waited for, I don't know, a few seconds before they did anything. They were, I mean, they were, they were quite a ways away. This, this yeah. p person was positioned perfectly in the middle of a room with security out on the fringes. So, so that, you know, that's, that's the constant thing is what took them so long to tackle him. Well, he, he, he was a journalist who had been vetted. He'd been through security. He'd been to these before, maybe not in front of President Bush before, but he, yeah. was, he, was, yeah. he was not a security risk. And no one in the room is a security risk. Yeah, and the sure, sad, yeah. sad story here is just like that may he burn in hell forever jerk Richard Reed who made it so that now we take our shoes off when we go through airport yeah. security. Uh, this guy me, is... I, I'm yes. interrupting you for a second because Eyal has to go. Uh, so uh, I want to thank I'm sorry, you sorry, guys. I really have to go. Th thanks I a lot. I'd like to go and take a picture of Christmas, Ooh. of uh, <laughs> New Year's, uh, well, an yeah, early you... New Year's party. Okay. So it will make so, the paper. Thank you, Eyal. Thanks a lot, Eyal. Right. Nice talk to you guys. I'll talk year. to you next time. Have Thanks. a happy New Year as, as far as it happy can New be Year. done. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oops. Okay. He's gone. Um, sorry, Randy, so I interrupted you. I, I was simply going to reflect that this, this stupid incident is going to lead is going to lead to even more stupidity where we hear about press conferences in front of world leaders yeah. where the security service decides to make the journalists go in without shoes uh, and i just think i just think that's the 
that's the saddest commentary on on worldwide security that I can think hey, of. Hey, you want you, to hear the good news about all of this? Please. Yeah. You know the shoe company that actually made the shoe? It's a Turkish company. <laughs> and they're selling and they usually, hundreds of and, thousands. No, of and they usually sell, I think, 35,000 shoes a year. And just the last two months, they had offers for 400,000 shoes. Wow. Yeah, they had to hire 100 extra workers just to provide the shoes, and I'm serious. This is for real. Well, you know what? I, I would, I would really laugh it off if uh, I didn't notice that none of you said that. You know, this this sort of begs the question of: Does the Iraqi people hate Bush so much that there is no way anything is going to get fixed? In Iraq, because what I did notice is that no one really talked about Iraq in, in all this, because what he was saying, what, what he was willing to do, because it was a huge risk for him. And, and the Iraqi people rejoiced over this, at least from the reports we got, uh, did make me concerned that, you know, it's, it, they, 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 there's really nothing good at all that happened in the whole, uh, the whole process. There's nothing to be saved from those uh, years of war, nothing uh, in Iraq. I'm sorry to bring the party down, but uh, th that's what, what, what I got depressing. out of it. <laughs> Is that like, are you assuming, are we assuming that Iraq was about uh, trying to make things peaceful and, you know, about the people there and not just about oil? I love that comment. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I don't know that it that we're assuming that. I don't think we are. But I was under the impression that, um, that while they were uh, unhappy about the whole situation, um, I don't know, maybe there wasn't such a, a hatred of the American uh, of the American invasion that I don't know what what I'm saying might might sound silly, but it did surprise me that everyone in Iraq seemed to be rejoicing about this when I would have thought that some people no, would have no, debated no, 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 it, no, no, like no. saying, like saying, like saying, you know, hey, okay, you know, things are messed up, but you don't just go around and and throw a shoe at a world no, leader. No, 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 there no, wasn't any sort of debate. No, no, there, there, there were Iraqis were divided in half. There were okay. those. Look, they all understood what what happened, and they uh, on the psychological level. They support him. He deserved it. Okay. However, Iraqis were divided in half. Half of them did say, even though we wish we would have done it, it was wrong. Okay. So. Well. And that's and that was that was very. I think that was made pretty clear in the United States as well. I, I got that. I got that very balanced view also there there wasn't just a picture of people cheering with their their shoes waving over their heads and mm. and signs that say death to uh, america or whatever that 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 uh, the aftermath and the the reaction on the street was not reported in in that that yeah. slant it was i thought it was very balanced okay. my my favorite comparison to this uh, is that of the visit to the United States last year by Mahmoud uh, Ahmadinejad from Iran. Yes, I I love to think about what would have happened in the aftermath of him holding a press conference in New York City 
and an American journalist, let's just say from Fox News, decides to throw his huge belt buckle at, uh, at uh, Ahmadinejad. I, I I can't imagine that there would be any great celebration, but I also right. can't imagine that Fox there would be. News, why Why would Fox News throw something at him? He's I, their news. I, if he if he doesn't exist, they <laughs> won't survive. What are they supposed I, to attack? And I no, I he, was just setting you up. See, that's Ahmadinejad made it made everything for himself. After all, there are no gays in Iran. <laughs> well, no, but it, it, it is interesting. To... I'm sorry, Gita, you're going to have to go. No, I please. think. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, do you do you mind if we move on slightly? This has been really fun, but I'm worried about uh, the you're, internet yes, over here. That's true. Um, we should move on, indeed. So let's let's do that. Uh, enough time on the shoe thrower. Um, let's uh, move on to the a few local stories if you guys have some um, right now. So um, let let's go with just one story because we already are like an hour and a half in. Um, Turkey, do you have one you want to share with us? Uh, nothing comes to mind. Nothing right. comes to mind. Good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Gita, we've already talked about uh, a few things happening in, in India. Uh, do you have something else you want to talk about or is that it? Well, there's some like, um, you know, four years was the tsunami here. So there have been a lot of uh, sort of remembrance services for the victims of the tsunami. Hmm. Um, so that's you know, local news that's quite uh, relevant. And also, I suppose another local thing um, is that uh, India, a lot of its electric sources, hydroelectric, and uh, because we didn't have such high monsoons this year, um, in places like Kerala, where I was just until, well, earlier today, um, there would be a blackout of electricity for a half hour every day to conserve <laughs> what power there is and make it last that, yeah in, when i was in in uh, in lebanon uh, when i lived in lebanon a, a few years ago we had like about two hours a day without uh, any electricity and i remember thinking that we take it for granted when we're in 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 you know western countries but having electricity 40 to 24 hours a day is really quite a, a wonder and a miracle. I, I don't know. That thought just entered my mind. Um, yeah, definitely. Now, one second. Can I? Um, my auntie wants to put in her couple cents on sure, this one. Sure, sure, of course, with pleasure. This is about women and women leaders. Huh? We've okay. got four important women leaders in India. One is Jayalalta, who is the, who was chief minister of. Uh, Tamil Nadu. Uh, another is uh, Sonia Gandhi, of course, whom the whole world knows. A third one is Mamta Banerjee, who uh, in uh, in Bengal, huh? and then the uh, uh, Mayavati, who is uh, one of the uh, 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 what should we call it, schedulkas or whatever you like to call it, uh, uh, who has come into great prominence of late. So. When we are having our elections now, all these four people will have some 
large role to play. And I hope that coming in will have some good effects on Indian government. So do, do, you, mean, do you mean to say that with all these women leaders, we're, we're going to have a more peaceful India in the years to come? If, oh, if no, they... no, we might have more arguments, but <laughs> we will certainly not rush. Though Indira Gandhi did rush into a war, huh? so uh, we can't tell uh, about the whole thing. But I think there will be a little more thinking about going into war at any stage. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm a feminist in this, and I'm very happy to know that so many women leaders are coming up. Huh? Well, and one of the writers in India has brought out the uh, statement about Margaret Thatcher, Angela Merkel, uh, and others. Now, of course, uh, uh, the one in Bangladesh, uh, uh, Sheikh Hazina. Earlier, we had this um, uh, something Begum. Huh? can't remember her name. I'm an 80-year-old losing my memory. So, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fine. sorry, I just thought I'd like to say that. You, thank you. I'm handing this back to Gita. Okay. <laughs> wow, your, your auntie is uh, quite something. Oh. Yep, runs in the family, <laughs> hey? <laughs> um, I can't remember what you yep. we were saying before that. But um, uh, we were talking about I electricity. I think it was Randy. Yeah, um, we were talking about electricity and having to conserve power. Yes. Um, by turning off electricity for certain <laughs> periods of time daily, scheduled so that uh, which, by the way, your your eighty year old auntie was uh, probably didn't have a lot of electricity when she was uh, born. How far we've come. Okay, uh, Randy. She's saying she had electricity. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have the radio, well, but they had electricity. Sorry. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I, I got in trouble, but at least they didn't have the radio. So, yeah, there's one thing they didn't have. Um, Randy, what happened uh, either in, in, in uh, Texas or Vancouver that's uh, worthy of uh, note? I don't. I don't know that there's anything I really feel like talking about in in major news in in the United States. But uh, I, near, not far from here in the United States, in uh, Multnomah County, Oregon, a story surfaced recently that I just think is is impossible in the coincidence of the story. And 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 it's it's really simple. An, an 88 year old woman fought off. Uh, an invader who in, who came into her home in the middle of the night. It was uh, not really told whether the man who entered her home was uh, doing so to rob her or attack her or maybe just to get out of the cold. But any way you look at it, he didn't have any clothes on. And... <laughs> And she attacked him and drove him out of her home by attacking the part of his body that she only could because he had no clothes on. And she's 88, he's 46. It's a story of, of an old woman uh, defending herself and doing so in an appropriate way when, when faced with a, a naked man. What's so wonderful about the story is that the man the officers arrested is named Michael Dick. <laughs> not, wow. not, couldn't, you couldn't make that up. Yes, indeed. Which is how we know that you didn't. Um, <laughs> I, I, 
I want to talk about uh, one thing really quick before we go to our 2008 wrap up. Um, and that is uh, the new year. Because, um, first of all, I'll start with uh, telling you what we do in France for the new year. Um, we burn cars. Every year, for as long as I can remember, in the suburbs, you have hundreds and hundreds of cars being burned um, every new year and on many different occasions. But the new year is the most, uh, the, the most that we see of this. And um, it's become sort of a tradition, like kids go out in the street. We were talking about rioting before. Uh, kids go out in the street and burn cars. And that's just the way it is now. And it just seems so insane to me that we have half accepted it now. I just wanted to mention it and, you know, expose it to the rest of the world. Um, and I also wanted to say I was talking with Turkey a couple of days ago And, uh, of course, I knew that uh, in Saudi Arabia you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't celebrate Christmas because, you know, birth of Christ, obviously. Although, you know, the, Jesus Christ is considered a prophet in, in Islam, too, if I'm not mistaken. I might the be. Birth. Um, uh, but Christmas, yeah. Come on. It's no, a pagan thing. Okay. Pagan. So, but, but, I mean, the, the birth of Christ, okay, we d you don't celebrate it. But you told me that uh, something I didn't know, which I might look uh, idiotic for not knowing uh is the fact that you don't celebrate new year either because you you can you can you tell us about this really quick um so being an islamic state it's official there's only two holidays in the entire year so beyond the celebrating anything other than that is against the islamic belief system so can you get punished for this um yeah you could if you if you actually have a big celebration big party you could get arrested So if you go out in the street and yell, Happy New Year at midnight, you're in trouble. Mm, only if, if you're stupid enough to shout it close to uh, religious police. Okay. <laughs> um, Gita, how is it happening in India? I mean, you, India was, you know, familiar with the, Her Majesty the Queen for a while. So I'm guessing they have the Gregorian calendar. Well, we've got a few New Year's. The Uh, what religion you are people do I suppose as an effect of globalization which started in the colonial period celebrate um, what we consider the Christian New Year um, but what I found very interesting looking through the papers and seeing adverts for New Year celebrations is um, the variety of different acts that do the hotel circuits which is where people tend to celebrate New Year's for oh, big different bashes different what? I'm sorry? different what that do the acts hotel circuits? Oh. like uh, performing acts that go around. So, for example, there's a British band that are supposed to be the leading all-ladies band from England called Nick and Nicole, who nobody in England's ever heard of, <laughs> I can tell you. And then there's another one that's uh, an electrifying three-member Filipino band. So it's quite, you know, globalized, the New Year's celebration. But the best thing I saw, actually, that made me laugh so hard was there appears troop of Thai ladyboys that are going to be singing in different voices. So I don't know if they used to sing as ladies and now they're singing as men <laughs> or vice versa. But they're performing at one of the hotels in uh, Madras. And um, yes, I was quite tempted to go and find out what this was all about. Well, it seems very New Year's-y and celebratory uh, to me. And I'm sure that uh, that would probably not happen in Saudi Arabia for many reasons. 
Um, okay, thank you, Gita. Uh, apparently, I'm the only one laughing at my stupid jokes. Uh, Randy, do you have anything? Yeah, I can laugh if you want me. Yes, please do. <laughs> well, wow, I was that unaware really that a joke fake. was made. I apologize. <laughs> well, what I got out of this is that uh, Turkey's fake laugh really does sound fake. So I'm assuming he d really does laugh when he when he does. Uh, so it didn't usually. even sound like a delayed reaction, eh? <laughs> um, Randy, anything about the new year? B car burning? I have to. I have to ask, has the car burning been going on since before the 2005 riots? Yes. I, I had never heard of, of cars being burned in, in France before that. Um, they, they are burned almost, I think it's, there's a, a daily average, like a nightly average, of a couple of hundreds, like every day of the year. And they are um, surprised? And, uh, I, and, and on <laughs> every major Are you actually surprised? I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm. I'm surprised. We're at, talking about I, the same nation that went on a revolution and and chopped heads like hundreds of them. And you're surprised they're burning cars. We're not talking about the exact same nation uh, that that did certain things 200 years ago. But but I I, I just can't. Uh, I I can't get over that little that little mention by you as though it's very commonplace because yeah. it seems like something that is being underreported. Yeah. I really, <laughs> I, I, well, I guess because it's commonplace, it's being yeah. underreported. It is. And, and I'm telling you, it's a, thing, it's a daily thing. We just report it on, on big event nights when, when the, the number of cars is multiplied by 10. So That's, that's amazing. I, yeah. in the, you, know, if that happened, you, you know if that happened in the United States, mm -hmm. it would be Im impossible to get out of prison before the age of 25. Which is, I mean, which, yeah, which makes me it, crazy it, here. Um, it's, it's, it's really the United States likes property, right? It's the central part of the Constitution. Well, I, I guess this says something about the U.S. As you were saying, it's it's it it does say something about the the, the property feeling, and it also says something about France because the the way we usually approach it is uh, uh, there's a tinge of oh, but you know they're just kids and they're bored in the suburbs. It, <laughs> I, I'm serious. It's, I'm not saying it's everyone thinks like that or everyone excuses the behavior like this. And there is something to it. I mean, it's not like some of these kids are probably leading a very, uh, quite an unhappy life. But, but still, this is the feeling that you get when you hear about this. It's, oh, you know, poor kids, they're, they're unhappy. So they, and and you know, the, you know the, the typical American angle on that would be, their kids and they're not properly afraid of the punishment that's coming if they're caught you know that, that's the usual the, yeah. the usual difference we we talk about uh, is is that there's a belief in deterrence based on yeah. on punishment that seems to be a lot more heavy-handed on this side of the atlantic yeah but I and, think, and anyhow yeah. i'm glad i hope if that i hope that trend doesn't spread outside of france i'm, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad to hear you have it somewhat contained. <laughs> we'll try to keep it here. Um, I think. I think, as far as the New Year goes in in the United States and North America, there is a, a sort of breath holding going on right now. There is. Uh, there's a constant news cycle of following where is Barack Obama. Of course, the oh. answer lately has been Honolulu. He's been on on vacation to sort of set up his uh, his. Uh, preparations office in Hawaii 
and that you know that is that well, of is course where he every did. <laughs> who who wouldn't? I mean, it's it's just it makes you wonder why every president doesn't well, have their. He has the excuse of of being from there. He can say, "Hey, that's my home." So and plus, who, he enjoys don't... not having electricity for eleven hours. That's uh, yeah, I've, I heard about that story as well. But but that that just defines this time right now, including the new year. Uh, a lot of I think a lot of Americans. There Obama are some. There... hasn't died down. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Okay. It's it's the almost the lead on every every day's news. Uh, as <laughs> as people are still waiting to see if he's going to make it to the inauguration. Alive. Yes, he will. Shut up. You you you're going to jinx it. <laughs> I assure I assure you that he will make it, and uh, I I um, think that it's this is that time, and I always wonder if this, it's the same in other parts of the world, but this is that time, especially today and tomorrow, when all news is replaced by retrospective lists of things that happened in the last year, whether it was the best movies or our yeah. favorite political gaffes or whatever. There is no new news today and tomorrow. You know, we're recording yeah. this on New Year's Eve in the United States. There's no new news except uh, a, 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 a really large tragedy could overcome the best of 2008 or the 2008 retrospective in, in the news. So that is an even bigger excuse to talk about Barack Obama mm. because he, he is the number one on every list. I mean, hey, seriously, you know you'll, see, you'll you know see a top ten movies list where number one is the election <laughs> victory of Barack Obama. You know what? That's a great transition that you're offering me uh, right now uh, because I wanted to, to do, instead of our uh, usual and now for something completely different, as a last segment, I wanted to do a little uh, uh, 2008 roundup. So let's uh, go into this uh, right now. So first of all, for our last segment, I would like to ask each of you that very corny, uh, you know, 2008 look back on, on what happened in the year. And let's make it short, though. I just want to ask all of you, what do you think uh, was the most important uh, event in 2008 in the world? And you, you take out of this what you want. Just take the meaning uh, as you please, uh, as you please uh, and tell me what you think it was. Um, let's start with Gita. Um, well, we started before you even went to the segment with Barack Obama, and I don't think I can think of anything more significant, partly because America is so significant in the world, has made itself even more significant than generally was before, through uh, its uh, malefactions in the Middle East. Yeah. Um, and uh, now, you know, we've got somebody who's overturned um, all sorts of different issues people had. People have been feeling in the UK and in the US that um, what they wanted to happen, the mandates under which they elected people, haven't been re respected. And... Uh, you know, leaders in Blair and Bush, and Blair kind of stepped out and put Brown in his place. Um, Bush, you know, has been now voted out by someone who's offering a completely different sort of president than we've had for years and years and years. Mm. Um, and 
at a time when that sort of president is actually needed. So, um, you know, Obama's popularity in his election kind of predated knowing that the extent of the financial crisis, and yet yeah. most people would uh, ally him with FDR, which is a good thing if you think of uh, the time we're in at the moment. The, the, I think the, um, anyone would agree that speak softly and carry a big stick seems to be something you could sum up mm. Barack Obama with quite easily. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't go with racial stereotypes again. Um <laughs> that was an FDR quote, mate. <laughs> yes, I know, but it was funny. Um, okay. <laughs> by the way, talk, talking about uh, racial issues, um, I, there is a, a, a okay brown population that's pretty uh, large in in the UK. Did they see themselves in Barack Obama um, too, or not at all? Well, I think. Everyone in the world who has felt that, I, I mean, I, and I think this is the big thing, see, and I think in the East, there aren't, you know, people generally feel, unless they're in a dictatorship of some sort, um, or a, a dysfunctional democracy, that they can actually gain power in some way, mm. whereas... There were, are lots of factions in the West that don't feel like they can. And actually, if you look at um, most Western countries, even where there have been women leaders, there haven't been any significant um, tea leaders, if you want to say it that way, ethnic racial. Yeah. So this is a big, big, big thing. I mean, you know, people were quite happy um, that there were certain Asian, you know, MPs and lords. Mm. But even then, the fact that they're actually referred to as Asian yeah. or black or whatever is a signifier that race is still an issue. Whereas Obama did successfully run showing his race and Hillary was in fact kind of booted for trying to play the race card with them and losing it. So, but you mean in, in, the, in the UK, it did play, you know, to his... The, the, yeah, completely. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone... Um, look, the point is, uh, the UK stayed up. I mean, everyone stayed up till at least four in the morning. Most uh, pubs or any place with a big screen television. My local cinema set up a big screen television in their foyer just for people to gather in and watch hmm. what wow. was unfolding and kept open till four in the morning for this. What about so, India? What happened in India? Maybe your auntie I don't can, know. can tell us. Yeah, put her on. Well, we had a number of uh, channels like uh, CNN and uh, BBC, which were giving a full uh, accounts of the uh, elections as a whole. And uh, people like me watched it day in, day out. And uh, we had our own back, uh, backing for uh, different people. Yeah. I was for Obama. My sister was for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Though I'm a feminist, I, I backed Obama in this. But would you say that so, the, the people uh, in India were, were very much behind or affected by Obama? Uh, or was it just you yeah, know, people I, I who cared? Yeah, I would say like everybody you? was thrilled. I think uh, a majority of Indians were thrilled about that. That was as Gita mentioned, that mm. a person who comes from a minority could... Yeah. Catch the attention. It was not a sort of, you know, uh, majority which uh, his uh, uh, ethnic group was, but it was a, uh, it cut across various ethnic yeah. groups, 
and uh, he got the majority and he um, beat hillary clinton to the uh, tape by all uh, those women were all for her hmm? mm, yeah it was a very uh, interesting uh, thing and uh, it was very nice to hear um, uh, the republican uh, member losing out and giving mm. a beautiful speech uh, of uh, uh, what do you call it uh, concession uh, yeah concession speech huh? the concession it. speech uh, yeah okay that was very nice it was a very uh, elegant kind of uh, statement yeah. that he made and it impressed a lot of us okay thank you um so yes i guess i'm i'm also uh, on that you know on that side i'm not going to drag this for too long for all the same reasons um i think uh, obama's election is indeed uh, the most important event in 2008 uh, i was asking if uh, the 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 people in in uh, in the uk saw themselves in obama the the people of color in the uk saw themselves in obama i see myself in obama so oh well definitely yeah. <laughs> definitely they did and um look yeah. i live in the most black area of the well of london which is the most black area of the uk yeah. which is where the windrush landed so the first population from Jamaica and the Caribbean yeah. were on the ship called the Windrush and most of them ended up in Brixton which mm -hmm. is also known as the anarchist capital of the UK or the People's Republic of Brixtonia <laughs> and so uh, you have riots the there from time to time to have fun right oh yes we do definitely <laughs> okay. and um there have been a few buildings burned and a few cars burned but people were very insulted when they decided to burn a pub so <laughs> <laughs> Hey there are was, there are lines kind of you do not cross. Line. Yeah. Exactly. Um, um so anyway uh, but um uh, the Ritzy Cinema is the center of Brixton the very center and it was a funny thing because you do have some people who kind of uh I guess you'd say either homeless or alcoholics that sit in that little area in front of the cinema mm. and drink and uh It was a real mesh where they were running into the cinema amongst everyone. Everyone was really integrated. There were whites, there were blacks, there were middle class, there were lower class, there was everything. And even these people that had never really spoken to anyone in the town because they're kind of their own little clique of drinkers, they were coming in and doing a little jig and then running to have a drink. <laughs> That's awesome. So it was uh, kind of nice. Um Randy, I'm guessing that you know if we can if it's the same answer i guess we can keep it short but uh, so why not give you a different answer I'll, uh, i'll give you something else i knew i could count on you but i'm surprised i'm curious to know what you what you're going to say the biggest story of 2008 i believe with much more hindsight than we have today will be the global economic recession i i don't believe i i don't sense that this is a little bump in the road i think that it 2008 marks the beginning of a a very difficult economic period and quite frankly i think it's a bigger story than the election of barack obama because i believe that the sudden drop in the american market is what handed obama the election I, I, and and by that i mean until the day that the united states uh, announced that it needed to bail out two massive financial firms obama and mccain were running very close 
Yeah. And only when that happened did Obama open up a lead that that he was able to maintain for the rest of the election. I again not saying that I, I shouldn't have said handed him the election. It it had a definite correlation with Obama handily defeating John McCain. Yeah. And I think it's going to correlate with so much more of what we will see as important when we look back on this time uh, it, down the road. Right now, we're a little close to it, and I, and I think we have yet to see the real suffering we're going to see worldwide mm. as a result of this, uh, this economic setback. It, it, that's, I, hate to, I hate to be the harbinger of, of <laughs> doom prediction, but that's, well, just, uh, yeah, that's I how I read the signs, and, and that's how I, I'm going to remember 2008. I could definitely imagine us discussing this in 30 years and saying, oh, yeah, you remember the big depression of 2008? And, uh, oh, yeah, when was Obama elected again? Uh, it was around this time. You mm. know, we remember he's going to be elected. We will remember he was elected. But maybe, you know, 30 years from now, yeah, maybe it's going to be, you know, uh, the, the, the economic recession that we remember more than the election itself, which, by the way, might might put in contrast the fact that he's just so accepted now anyway um right that's the fear the the yeah. the fear for a lot of those who are most hopeful on the obama administration is that a developing economic depression yeah will will be such a burden to him as an individual leader that he can't accomplish anything that he even there there are even fears that he will only be able to serve one term as president yeah. and he'll be defeated because of uh you know of difficulties economically over the next mm -hmm. four years the only time will tell but that just seems that seems like the biggest story to me turkey do you have something different for us I'm just count, uh, starting the countdown to the breakup of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw your, your your tweet. Uh, you twittered uh, to um, to Tom Merritt, no. I think, that you think the the, the, the United States is going to be broken up by 2050. Yep. Okay, so what does that mean for for you think that Obama is the biggest thing in 2008 because it's exactly. the beginning of the countdown? Yep. Care to elaborate for a minute? Uh, Americans are not completely ready for a black president. Uh, the South are not very happy. Uh, the Christians are not, uh, right fundamental Christians are not very happy. Uh, this, the U.S. is already starting to downfall because with all of its interference, its interaction with the world, economic crisis, it's, it's, it's just going to happen and. And the two first states that are going to leave are California and Texas. Just wait and see. <laughs> so do you have a date okay, for that? Or? Do what? You a, do you have a date, a year, when it's going to happen? Or I don't know. I, I said by two, 2050, it's going to be done. Okay. When would it? Start? But it's gonna start now. How? How? It could be. It's could. It could. We could see it starting, and we might not see it for another ten years. But by 2050, there won't be any more the United States of America. That's my prediction. Okay. Uh, uh, but wait a second. We had that civil war in America that was 
you know, managed by the last president from Illinois. So uh, won't it be short and sharp and turn out kind of the same way? Now, this is a completely different situation because in that problem, it was an internal affair. This one is going to be an international thing. And, and at the time, the president was strong. There's no strong president right now. Well, you know, for, for, for another like 40 years, I think we have time to see a lot of things happen, including a strong president. And I also think you, 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 you underestimate the... I, I, first of all, I don't think there's any sort of problem to that extent. But even if Randy, was, uh, let's ask Randy. Randy, <laughs> what do you think? I think it's unfortunate that someone near me has decided to start using a hammer. Um, <laughs> that's what happens when you record podcasts, folks. I, I, will take, I will take the opposite prediction of Turkey, and I will say that it's been too long since the United States admitted Hawaii, and there will be more than 50 states in the United States in 2050. I'm uh, the the usual money is on the United States admitting Puerto Rico as the 51st state. I'll go with that. I would not be surprised if the United States contained such lovely locations as Iraq, Cuba, Guam, <laughs> the Virgin Islands. Who knows? There are all sorts of great uh, there are all sorts of great uh, potential states. In fact, Quebec could very well be a, a, a state in the United States before uh, 2050. I don't think the Canadians are going to be happy. <laughs> I think I think no, if there's just... anything French in Quebec anymore, they will vehemently like disapprove of this proposal. It's been too long. You're, you're, going to, you're going to find the United States gets hungry for a 51st star on the flag in the next few years. You know what? As long as we're doing hopes and wishes and irrational predictions, um, let's, round up the show. let's round up the show with uh, my question that I would like to ask all of you. Um, and that's uh, if you could wish for anything to happen in 2009 that would make the world a, the the best place it can be, uh, what would it be? Wh whether it is like a technological, political, uh, anything uh, event, what would it be? And by the way, you cannot wish for world peace because we have to stay realistic. Um, let's start again with Gita. Do you have anything you would like to see happen um, in the next year? Uh, I can't really think of anything, so let me do something really simple because I'm supposed to be speaking from India, right? So, okay. I mean, I'm, okay. I, I am speaking from India, but I'm supposed to be speaking for India, I should say. So let's stick with the water issue and say I hope they get a good monsoon so that they can have let there be light. And then uh, I hope that they the water issue isn't by another tsunami. So <laughs> there you go. That ties together my... Uh, different stories okay that that's uh, a little bit um small scope i would say my my wish my hope my dream um would be a little bit of, on a larger scale actually what i would love to see happen would be some more efficient solar panels that would uh allow uh, you know solar energy to become viable a viable solution because can you imagine how different the world would be if solar ener energy was was uh, a viable option that it would solve so much of the world's problem in in an instant like one 
researcher, one lab, creates a way to do a solar panel with, I don't know, even just 50% efficiency. I think we're at 10 or 12 now. Um, that would change the world in an instant. So that's my, my hope. I know it's not going to happen, but... Um, Randy, do you have something you would wish I, upon I, the world? I was about to wish for something along the same lines, which would be a revolutionary technological advance with regard to energy production. And uh, in not, be, not imagining a, a really good solution on the horizon, I suppose I'd, I'd rather just see a quadrupling in the price of oil uh, I, I don't. I don't know what there. I, there needs to be something in in my fantasy that causes uh, that the shift that's going to happen now. Hmm. Uh, maybe maybe a a sudden major decline in world supply of oil. Although that would be a trial by fire for. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the population of the world. Yeah, uh, your your yeah, perspective. That's the hard is a, road is, you're taking. There. Right, yours is a lot more is a lot more uh, light and friendly to everyone. <laughs> you know, it's free energy for everyone, and and we'll all get along. Yeah, and flowers and, and, and rainbows. Maybe, uh, maybe the but but just to you know to make it more general, a a technological advancement in energy production, okay. whether it be on wind generated power, nuclear generated power, what have you. Turkey, I'm sure you wouldn't um, be too... Oh, sorry, Gita. I was going to say, I mean, I was reading something in the paper today, the Indian newspapers. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard about this. Uh, New Zealand um, have tried out and successfully managed to fly a jet using um, some plant power. Ooh. And then, um, yeah, there was another uh, company that had claimed to be able to fly a plane with coconut oil and something else mixture. Um, but then, you know, people who were, uh, you know, ecologists or whatever were saying, well, that wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be able to produce enough on as large a scale as you'd need. But the New Zealand uh, solution would be something that could be viable. Hey, well, maybe, you know, plant, why not? I still think the sun is the best solution, but uh, sure, plants would work too. You're right. The sun is the best solution. And if we could just move the earth closer to the sun, we would have more energy. Hey, maybe that's a, an area we should start exploring. 2009, a shorter orbit. That's... Okay. Turkey, uh, what would you think uh, would be the best thing to happen in 2009? Me being rich. <laughs> How would that benefit the rest of the world? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, can I change my answer? I want what Turkey wants. <laughs> Meaning you me. want but what? You, it, I want what Turkey wants too. I, I I don't care about world's energy. I want what I want to be rich too. But knowing both that. you and Turkey, Patrick, I trust you to actually share the wealth more than him. Screw you! I'm not going to share anything. Oh. <laughs> I'm keeping it. Well, up never mind. Shows what I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, uh, I think we're going to round the show up. Uh, I want to thank each of you for coming on uh, on this uh, 31st of December 2008. Um, Turkey, I think you stopped writing your blog, so there's nothing I can really uh, pimp for you on the show. 
Well, they can. People just can go and check the blog. I have some other blogs. They some links. They can check the other blogs I have about Saudi Arabia, and they can enjoy. I just don't have any more time for the to work on my blog. But I'll be here and bothering you from time to time. Cool. I look forward and to it. And of course, so, I'm on Twitter. So the blog is uh, a saudilife.net. Uh, you yes. can find a, a bunch of other blogs there. And your Twitter is Saudi. Saudi, so twitter.com slash Saudi. You can follow him. You can follow the lovely Randy Jordan at uh, twitter.com slash Randy Deluxe. Uh, is that it? That's correct. Anything else you want to pimp today? Always always have to mention the, the reason that I know you and the reason we're talking and the my foothold into uh, internet social media, and that is uh, the instance. I'm a writer and co-host of a very popular podcast about the video game World of Warcraft that you and I play, Patrick. Yes, we and, do. Uh, and Turkey plays too, by the way. Turkey plays World of Warcraft. Yes, I'm impressed. Uh, not, not currently, unfortunately. <laughs> that's 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 okay. We'll get you back. <laughs> oh, it's not me. <laughs> there's there's lag. They, they disconnect. They cut the cables. Internet yeah. cables, man. <laughs> yeah, internet no, cables no. in the Atlantic are cut apparently. But sim simply put, if if you're a World of Warcraft player listening and you're interested in a in a good podcast on the game, go to theinstance.net. That's where you'll find Randy and Scott Johnson. And yes, Gita, mm -hmm. I heard you screaming in the background. You're the only person who's not playing World of Warcraft here. Do you feel left out? Yeah. Well, I feel like you guys obviously have a lot more leisure time than I do. <laughs> That might be true. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, we might we might uh, uh, give you a copy of the game, uh, get you to try it out, and by you know within six months you'll be so hooked up that you'll have lost your job, uh, your your love life will will be reduced to a nothing, and you'll have a lot of leisure time to play the game. Isn't that uh, a wonderful okay. prospect? Yeah, right. and, <laughs> and you'll have a lot of leisure time to listen to a podcast. Yeah, maybe maybe to talk more with Patrick. And, and that sort of just thing. like us. <laughs> <laughs> Gita, is there anything, any, um, anything I can talk about to, to give you credit on, on I don't know, a, a website, a, um, an account on Twitter? I'm guessing you don't have one. No, no, no. I'm um, the least um, intentionally visible on the Internet. I get way too many... Uh, emails and uh, students and other people uh, coming over to me um, to actually wish okay. to interact with people outside of so, that. So I'm afraid no. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're staying uh, hidden. That's good. So you come out just yes. for us. And for that, I am yes. very thankful, Gita. So Thank for, you. And for... what about my auntie? <laughs> Does she have a Twitter account? She can Seriously, if, if she has a Twitter account, I'm going to go follow her right now. It's been a pleasure to join your conference for the first time uh, in, in my use of the computer. And I've enjoyed the discussion uh, till now. One more item I would like to say. Okay. Uh, I wish there would be more international understanding, thanks to tourism and other things. There, We do not only go to visit and see places, but to see people, meet people, and uh, try to understand them. Huh? That would probably lead to better, better quality of everybody. 
You know what? Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, And that's that's exactly what we're trying to do here at the Phileas Club. So I I actually agree with you more than I do agree with myself. So thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) A very happy New Year to all of you. Thank you. So, Gita, are you back? Yep. Okay, well, so that's going to be it for us. Thank you very much. Uh, thank um, uh, your your auntie again for us. If you, listeners, if you guys want to um, send an email, you can go to the website, which is thephiliusclub.com, and uh, you will find the forums and the email address there. You'll find a link to the, the podcast uh, if you want to subscribe there, if for some reason you haven't done that yet. Um, I guess we all we have to do now is wish all of you a very happy new year um, and we will talk to you again next year in 2009 and that's going to be it so thanks again everyone and uh, talk to you soon goodbye happy Say, new year oh, happy new happy year, new year. Bye. goodbye <laughs>